Welcome to Jesus in Therapy. We're your hosts, Kev and Jess. This is a space where we infuse the Word of God with mental health matters. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and feel free to follow us in our Facebook group, Jesus in Therapy. Listen, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated as new episodes are released. Enjoy. episode is brought to you by Life Options Counseling Services. If you are looking for counseling services or resources, our Christian counselors provide a rich therapeutic experience rooted in biblical foundation. For help or to schedule a consultation, reach out to us at 908-290-3550. Empowerment, personal responsibility, and deep emphatic connection are the driving forces of Edwina's counseling practice at Lotus Therapeutic Services. Kevin and I had the pleasure of sitting with Edwina, and let me tell you something. This was a very special interview. I was brought to tears, and Kevin had to take over because she was so raw, so transparent, and I am so grateful that we were able to cross paths and bring this story to everyone who would listen. And we specifically named this one God's Love Story because that's what Edwina Taylor Flowers, that's what she calls this, God's Love Story. And what a beautiful way to round out what he did for her in his redemptive work. And so I, without per- further ado, I just, I just want you to listen to her story. She pours out her heart. Uh, and she currently holds dual master's degrees in general counseling studies and clinical mental health and rehabilitation counseling. I think it's very important for people to know that she is credentialed to do what she does. She goes above and beyond to help people who struggle with addiction. So without further ado, please listen to Edwina Taylor Flowers. My mother had, I'm the youngest of three with my mother. And, you know, my father was whoever my mother's boyfriend was that month, that day, you know, that week, what that year, whatever. Um, and so I, growing up, you know, I did, I always, I grew up with the um, illusion that I had done something wrong that sent my father away um, because I wasn't my mother's favorite child. You know, and and just to give you an example, I remember my mother would, you know, my sister who is like 16 months older than I was my mother's favorite child. And my mother would ask that, you know, she would make it mandatory, not just ask that, you know, I laid at the foot of the bed whenever we watched the movies, if I got to get on the bed. But my sister always got to snuggle up under her. And that is something that I craved. You know, I remember being in the window as a young child, maybe eight, nine years old, you know, praying for my mother's safe return um, all times of the night. And my mother would come home because I grew up in the projects. My mother would come home and she would curse me out for being up, you know, not even acknowledging the fact that I had been 
praying for her safety. Um, and I, I vividly remember uh, about four days before I got baptized, I was 11, 11 years old. And my sister and two of our friends, we were on the side of the building um, turning cartwheels. And, and I was like, hey, y'all, you know, I'm about to get baptized. You know, we got to stop cussing. We got to stop, you know, being fast. You know, we got to do the right thing. And I mean, they just felt, they looked at me, the three of them looked at me and fell out laughing. And I remember feeling so hurt and disappointed in that moment and the message that it was something wrong with wanting to do right by the most high. Because here was my sister and two of my closest friends that I really, really loved and cared about and adored. We did everything together. They laughed at me as if I had told a joke and I was so serious. So from that moment, I spent years um, I spent years sorting out the misguided information that I got from a child as related to, you know, the God of my understanding. Um, and it's, it, it was rough. It was rough. So, you know, in turn, I did whatever to fit in with whoever, you know, I was never comfortable in my own skin. Um, and I turned to drugs and sex at an early age, you know, because again, I just wanted to feel a part of, I just wanted to fit in. So, you know, I, I sort, you know, outside, I, 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 I sought outside influences to fill internal voids. And I was very promiscuous at a young age and, you know, experimenting with drugs. And my mother died when I was you know, 18 years old, just turning 18. And it was the strangest thing because I felt her die. You know, I had, you know, stolen somebody's car and I was at their house. And, you know, I woke up at like nine or two in the morning and I was physically sick. And I was trying to, I asked him if he would take me home and he said he wouldn't take me home. So I stole his car and I went home. And then when I opened the key to my apartment, you, my telephone was ringing. And I answered the phone, it was my sister crying. And she said, Keith is on the way over to talk to you. And I said, what's wrong, Gucci, did mommy die? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I said, what time? And she said, she died at 902. And I'm like, wow, because the connection was always there. And I could not believe that my mother had transitioned on. She had died before I ever had the opportunity to have a conversation with her and find out, you know, why things were the way that they were when, when I was growing up. It, but it never deterred me from wanting that relationship with my mother. My mother died of polycystic kidney disease and she died on dialysis. But when she originally got sick, I was the one she called. I was living in South Carolina. I quit my job. I sold all my furniture, gave up my apartment, and I came to Atlanta to take care of my mother. And I was here for probably about a month. And I was right back to, you know, she was saying to me, you ain't, you know, crap. You ain't ever going to be crap. And I was like, wow, you know, but, and I left her home and I never went back. Um, yeah. And uh, she passed and yesterday was her birthday and February 5th is always very, very, very hard for me, you know, and in retrospect, the most high has evolved me and gave me the grace and the understanding to know that my mother did the best that she could with the information that she had 
And the way she treated me was more of a reflection of who she was than who I am. Um, and I don't know, I said earlier, you know, before we started recording that, you know, I, my belief is that those who are destined for more must go through more because I can clearly see the hand of the most high has been present in my life for as long as I can remember. You know, he has never allowed me to fall too far or be down too long. Mm -hmm. Shortly after my mother passed, you know, I got on um, crack cocaine very bad as a result of a, you know, interaction, entanglement. <laughs> An entanglement that I had, you know, with, with, with a man. And, you know, it started in January. January 1998 but you know I started smoking marijuana when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old I started smoking marijuana but in January of 1998 with this other individual you know I noticed that he was um, laced in his marijuana with uh, crack cocaine and you know of course you know me already in operating in the pattern of doing whatever to fit in with whoever I wanted to try it because that's what he was doing. Uh, and then, so I did. And uh, one day, you know, he didn't have any marijuana. And so I watched him put a piece of cocaine on, on a can. And so I wanted to do it too. And I did. Well, needless to say, you know, shortly thereafter, he was gone and I was left with a crack habit. Mm. So I attempted, I went to treatment for the first time in uh, August of 98, I stayed until October of 98. I met a female um, in treatment. And today I know it could have been a dog, cat, rat, roach, whatever showed me some attention and kept me from focusing on myself. I was gonna gravitate to it and that's what I did. I left the treatment program. Well, I actually was asked to leave the treatment program uh, because I was having a uh, relationship with this female and it's so funny because they asked the, the CEO, she asked me to leave. She told me I had 24 hours to leave the premises. And I was like, no, I got 30, 30, I got 30 days. I get mail here. I got squatters rights. You can't just put me out in, you know, I just always been intelligent and, you know, been able to, and that's because again, the most high, you know, bless me with the fortitude and the tenacity and so I went out with this female and I used, we used together and it was so bad and so devastated until, you know, I would trade uh, sexual favors. Uh, she would um, connect me with individuals. She pimped me out, basically. I allowed her to pimp me out. Um, and then I got pregnant. So from October 98 until December 99, that's how I lived. I was I was using using drugs. Alcohol is not a part of my story because that just wasn't my addiction. Uh, crack cocaine was my addiction. In December '99, I had become pregnant, and I didn't want my baby to be born positive for cocaine because people kept saying, you know, if your baby's born positive, you're going to jail. And I had never been to jail by the grace of God. You know, I've, I've never been to jail. That's not a part of my story. And I remember 
you know, feeling my son flipping my stomach, but my body craving another hit of the crack cocaine. And I also remember just praying, asking the most high to just, you know, take the taste from me because I had the awareness to know that that wasn't how I was supposed to be living, you know, and throughout using crack cocaine, there were times where, you know, I would, I would be, I would, I got kicked out of the trap because I would, you know, I would be preaching and, you know, telling all of the other, you know, drug addicts how the most high was going to come save us all. And if they said, amen, I would give them, give them a little something, you know, because, but I thought that the most, I really thought that the most high had forgotten about me. And I thought that he was going to allow me to just die like that because so many of the people that I was using with, you know, they had been out there for five and 10 and 20 years. And I was like, you know, I'm being punished for my choices. And this is how, this is how it's going to end for me. And I really, really thought that he had forgotten about me. I had no idea that he heard me all along and that he had set a date for me to get in and he had set a date for me to get out. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and then in December 99, you know, I'm, I'm, I found out I was pregnant. I continued to use. And one day the, the young lady that I was with gave me her spot. She said that she was going to treat me, but she gave me her spot because she, you know, she knew that I was pregnant and, you know, she wanted me to get help and she gave me her spot. And um, it was a, a woman, she worked for this program called Project Prevent. I had been living in a hotel for five and a half weeks with my two older sons who are now 31 and 25. And, and my baby who was in my stomach and she knocked on the hotel door and I had had so much drugs and I was afraid to open the door because I, I was afraid that, you know, it was somebody coming to take my children and that, you know, I was going to jail, but I was so tired. I was so tired of the way that I was living and I opened the door and her arms were open and I just fell into her arms and she gave me the courage. She accompanied me to the bathroom and, you know, she, she empowered me to, you know, flush the, the, the crack and she took me and, and my then two children and my baby that I was pregnant with, she took me to this treatment program, a brand new treatment program. And they, I heard her arguing it was on a friday i heard her arguing with the ceo because he was telling her that they weren't ready for me to come to bring me back on monday and she was in there you know cursing and you know and just well she may not be ready on monday I, there's no way i'm taking her back and you know and i so when she came out of the office i was just in in tears i was just distraught and she said, don't worry, if, if they don't take you today, I'll take you home with me for the weekend. I'm not going to take you back. You'll be safe. And I felt so relieved in that moment. And about 10 minutes later, you know, the CEO, he came out and he said, okay, we're going to take her. And they gave me fresh linen for the bed. And I went into an apartment and I was the only one there. Now, mind you, I had not received any kind of medical care. Uh, since learning that I was pregnant. And so the first night I was in the emergency room because I started, you know, I started bleeding and I was in the emergency room. But 
uh, for the grace of the most high, my son was absolutely fine. Today, he is, he's a, uh, going into his junior year at Tuskegee University. He's a running back. Um, and he is, he has decided that he does not want to work for anyone else. He's utilizing the skill that he has, not just on the football field, but he's an excellent cook. So, you know, that's what he's doing. And, um, the most high decide. I, so I started, I, I, I believe in NA. So I, you know, I am a diehard. I believe in the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, and the 12. And for, those who, and for those who may be listening and may not know what NA is, it's Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I believe in NA. So early on, you know, I was into 90 meetings in 90 days, get phone numbers, and I was just as crazy as they came, you know. I, oh, you know, I got two, I got two men and a woman, and I don't want any of them, and all of that foolishness. And I started going to conventions. And I would hear people, you know, tell their story and, and share. I was like, hmm, these people aren't any more intelligent than I am, but they had all of these degrees. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking the most high, listen, I need a degree. I need to go to school and I need a degree. But I had these three children, mm -hmm. you know, and they were they were young at the time. And he just, I don't even remember how I did it but I got an associate's degree in journalism, that wasn't enough. And then I got a bachelor's degree in social work, that wasn't enough. And then I got a my first master's in general counseling study, that wasn't enough. And I couldn't get a license. So, you know, I went back and got another degree, another master's in clinical, uh, clinical mental health and rehabilitation, which afforded me an opportunity to get a license. But all along, you know, I got every credential uh, needed specifically related to substance abuse. Yeah. Um, I, and I would, that's how I was generating income. And I remember being able to, you know, write 20 and 30 page papers in the middle of the night, you know, it'd be do, do like 1159. I wait until <laughs> like, yeah, I wait until like 8, 8 p.m. And I start and I was, I was just able to, I'm talking about how the most high will take yeah. not enough and make it too much. I'm talking about, you know, what has happened in my life that show I have my own experience that teaches me that, you know, and reminds me that when I can't see the most high in front of me, I can look back and I can see how he has brought me from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, because I don't know how I got through all of those, all of those degrees, but I do know that he cleaned me up, allowed me to get educated and sent me right back into the trenches to help people just like me. That, that's so amazing, right? I think your story is such, to me, what, what, that, what I've heard is such a love story mm -hmm. of, of God's love for you. Absolutely. Whether you knew it or not, it's a love story. He never left you. You felt like he wasn't there, but he was always there. Mm -hmm. He used your situation while maybe while you're in it doesn't seem ideal, but he used that situation to get you to where you are now so that your voice can forever be a blessing to those who are going through it, right? To show that you can overcome any situation, Absolutely. whether it was through the 
verbal mental abuse as a child through dealing with inconsistencies as an adult, right? And then he gave you life to save your life through your children, mm -hmm. right? It's such a love story of, of how the most high loves you, Absolutely. right? And, and, and so, and we're human, right? We, we don't always, it, it's just like our children. You, you tell your children to do this and they're like, eh, mom don't know, dad don't know. And, and they still do what they wanna do. And then you're right. Sometimes we gotta deal with those consequences, but you never stop loving them, right? He's never stopped loving you. And, and I think your story is going to be so, so impactful, right? Especially during this time, right? Where, where I, I think over the last year, especially with, with COVID and us dealing with the fact that we've had to, to really sit and deal with certain situations. I think the timing of this relationship that you have aligned with Jessica and I, I think it's going to be very impactful that people hear your story. I, I would like to ask you, so, so you came out of that, right? You got your degrees. Mm -hmm. What has helped you to stay? Like what, what, what has helped you to, to say, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to go back. I, I, I realized that, that God has a purpose for me. What, what can you say that that's encouraging to somebody who may be struggling? They're at that point where they're struggling. That taste may still be there, that desire. But even though that's there, you realize I, I can't go back. What, what has helped you? So I need to I need to just acknowledge and thank you for your question. I need to acknowledge that the love story continues. And you know I've been clean since December December thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. So no longer is it a struggle for me to not pick up, you know, drugs. Yeah. Um, but I can relate to the individual that may be struggling. And, and, you know, my suggestion would be, you know, when the day gets too hard, break it down to minutes and out, you know, seconds and hours and simply focus on not picking up just for this second, not picking up just for this hour, not picking up just for this day because it gets better and the it is me the it is the individual mm -hmm. it, it, i'm telling you because I, I remember a time when i first got clean you know i remember going to meetings and they like you know you never have to use again and i was like never because <laughs> let's be clear all my times using what bad times <laughs> i was like never that's a long time I, if I never want to use again, I just wanted to be to have my son born not addicted to crack. You know, that was my motivation. But once he was born, maybe just maybe if I don't pick up today, he'll never have to know that side of me. Because again, I had two sons that were there. And although they were young, you know, they were old enough because children are very observant and unfortunately they do as we do and not as we say but they're also very resilient um but my two older boys knew what was going on but giving my my baby my baby boy the opportunity to not know that side of me and i also need to say that the longer i stay clean the more challenges I face, not as related to, you know, um, using drugs, 
But, you know, I struggle with things like the thought of driving my car off of 285 because life gets so complicated and so real and fear can be so paralyzing. And even though I may be able to conceptualize, you know, the right thing to do or what would be more pr productive for me, doesn't mean that I always have the courage to do the right thing. It's all a process. And so I just want to share and just want to say to anyone that may hear this, be easy on your spirit and give yourself a break. Because as long as I keep my focus on the most high, which I do not do 100%, 100% of the time. Nobody does, Edwina. But as but praise, I, I'm so grateful for his grace and mercy. Absolutely. As long as I keep my eye on the most high, I get through it all. And as I stated earlier, you know, when when I can't see him in front of me, because fear often blinds me. When I can't see him in front of me, I can look behind me. And and here's the thing: I'm a therapist with a therapist. Yes. <laughs> Yes. That's right. I'm a therapist with a therapist and you know I I can be very guarded and I don't you know I have I have trust issues but the better I get with me the better I get with with other people and so you know I'm more open to receiving help see I'm so used to giving mm. and so when 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 individuals are placed in my life you know that I prayed for Please send me help when they come. It's hard for me to receive the help that's given because, you know, it's like, what are the motives? Because right. at any given moment, I'll resort back to that little girl that's still trying to get the love and attention from her mom. Yeah. And so I have to take time to nurture that little girl and to, you know, acknowledge the fact that she still exists in this 48-year-old body. That little girl still exists. That little girl still exists. The little girl that, you know, felt belittled and, and crushed when her friends laughed because she was getting baptized and she wanted to do the right thing. You know, I have to nurture her and love her. And I'm just so grateful for the therapist that I have. I've been with this therapist whose name is Edwina, as a matter of fact. I've been with her for, you know, two years, a little, maybe a little over two years. And she is, she's one of those kind of therapists that'll say, give me your hands. Give me your hands. Let me just invite the father in this because I can feel his, you know what I mean? And see, ethically and you know, professionally, you know, we as African-Americans, we are taught that that is, is something wrong with that. And trust and believe it is nothing wrong with that. If I am providing services for a client who opens the door, that's and right. acknowledge your belief. I'm going running through because I do not believe in big eyes, little yous. We are all here to speak the truth and love to one another, to support one another. To We're not here to judge each other or to, that's not my belief. We're not here to judge each other or to say, you know, you got to go this way and you got, or you got to do this. No. No, and I am just so grateful that I am being used in the manner in which I'm being used because I am crystal clear about the fact that I am being used to do his divine work. And I am so, so, so grateful that he, he has chose me. And the beautiful thing is he is not going to change his mind. 
no matter how much I cuss, no matter what color I dye my hair, no matter, you know, how, how much I allow Shaniqua, Shanae, Shanae, that's my alter ego to show (laughs) up. He is just, he's not going to change his mind. You know, it reminds me of that scripture because while you're talking this scripture, because you just kept talking about how he has been safety for you. Mm-hmm. And, and on that scripture, Psalms 18 talks about the Lord is my, actually Todd Delaney, I believe it's Todd Delaney came up with a song, Psalms 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, mm-hmm. my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, mm-hmm. my shield, the horn of my salvation. He's mm-hmm. my stronghold. Mm-hmm. And, and that scripture just makes, when I hear fortress, Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like those back in the day when we used to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings with commercials and mm-hmm. how the fortress in some of those cartoons used to kind of keep all the villains in inside and protect, or I'm sorry, not the villains, the, the heroes inside and they will go to the fortress mm-hmm. before they will go fight. Mm-hmm. So, but that fortress would protect them from harm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think of a fortress, God being that protection from harm. Absolutely. And just to know that back then when you were struggling at the worst place, Absolutely. That you would, that that we would be destined to talk on February seventh, two on oh, February seventh, two thousand and twenty-one. Oh, today's mm-hmm. the sixth, two thousand twenty-one. So many years later, because you would have a story to tell that I believe is going to encourage and give people the courage to be able to uh, fight this this stronghold. Uh, I, I like what you said about what you know people who are you know struggling. Uh, and what they can do and not so much having this elongated elongated version Absolutely. of looking at recovery but looking at it at a minute by minute sometimes mm-hmm. minute by minute hour by hour Absolutely. you know that's sometimes that's all you can handle mm-hmm. and so it's you know I know they say smart goals and make sure you set up three months mm-hmm. later sometimes you don't have the strength for that Exactly. Sometimes you only have the strength to say, I need to stay clean for the next five minutes. Exactly. And so that in itself is, is very helpful. So when talking about early recovery, what tips would you give to somebody who is in the early stages of recovery? What can they do to sustain their recovery um, in those early stages, like supports or recommendations? Supports, supports. you know, um, there are many roads that lead to uh, recovery. And although, you know, Narcotics Anonymous definitely works for me, um, there are many roles. And so I would just, I would just, you know, suggest that an individual be open and, and, and just establish a support network, you know, and it doesn't have to be, it could be a handful of people. It could be one, it could be two. But the important thing is that, you know, with practice, an individual practices not trusting their own thinking because you know early in recovery you know my mind didn't have anything positive to tell me you know and 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 you know I I developed the habit you know very early on to you know share those thoughts with other with other people and miraculously you know the people that I shared my thoughts with all motivated me and encouraged me to dig deeper into the relationship that I had with the higher power. Cause I didn't, when I first got clean, I didn't want to hear anything about God because as a little girl, you know, I had been praying, fix me, God, fix me, use me, send me, I'll go. And I was very angry because my, my thought process was you, you are 
omnipresent. You're all seeing, you're all knowing. I'm, I know you gave me the power of choice, but I'm choosing to ask you to just zap me. I don't want to be evil. I don't want to do anything other than your will. Just zap me and change me and make me into who you want me to be because that's what I, and that has not been the process. Like his ways are above my ways. His time is not my time. So when I look back, he's been zapping me the whole time. But because it didn't happen, it didn't happen like instantaneously. You know, I when I first got clean, I was very angry, very resentful towards the most high. Because, and I see how it all worked together for his glory, for my good, because I might cut somebody out, but I'm not going to do no drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm not as quick to cuss anybody out because I don't like to, the way it makes me feel on the inside because he has grew me to a place where I know better. Yeah. So, you know, without my permission, without my awareness, he has evolved me. He has changed me. He has been zapping me all the time right. and here's the thing that i want to that i want to stress to that person that may be struggling with you know alcohol addiction drug addiction sex addiction i am not the favorite i am not the most highest favorite so the same thing he has the same things he is doing in my life and has done in my in in my life he will do it for you yes he will do it for you so, you know, my thing is, you know, I had to be delivered from, from the uh, illusion that I had to pray these T.D. Jakes, want me to buy them, prayers. God help me is a prayer. Yes, yes that is a prayer. You yes. better say that. Yes. God help me. And just acknowledge it because the word says, acknowledge me in all thy ways. Yes. Even when I was out there on drugs, I acknowledged him. When I was a little girl being treated like nothing by my mother, which sent me the message that if my mother didn't love me, something had to be wrong with me. I was acknowledging him. You know what I mean? Long before I ever went into the doors of a church, I was acknowledging him. Because, you know, the word says he knew me before I was even in my mother's womb. That I, my life has been, is, is a testimony to the fact that he called me even before I realized that there was a he, she, it, whatever it is. He called me and had a plan and a purpose for my life. So it has never been him that has distant or strayed from me. It has always been me. Because we, are, I'm so cardinal, and if I can't see it, taste it, feel it, smell it, you know, I want to question. Oh well, does this really exist? Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's you know an addiction or you know a mental health disorder or you know low self esteem, low self worth. Most individuals spend their adult lives dealing with issues that stem from their childhood. Mm -hmm. right. But those of us who are called according to his plan and his purpose, there's a date to start 
and there's a date to finish. Because the thing that I'm one of the things, another thing that I'm crystal clear about is that his will shall be done with or without my permission. Mm-hmm. With or for, and I'm so, I'm so grateful because I today I thoroughly understand that you know the the Most High Jesus died so that I could have life and have life more abundantly right here on this earth. That's right. Right here on this earth, so I don't have to die. before I get into my abundance you know what I mean and I'm I'm living it I'm living it and even despite my best efforts Mm -hmm. I have not it it just continues to manifest and it just continues to go from glory I'm so grateful I don't want to be anywhere outside of his presence right right what you gonna do we're gonna let that lead right into our, our last question for you because can you tell us a little bit about your counseling center, right? Yes, yes. It's called Lotus Therapeutic Services. Currently, I'm operating my practice part-time um, every Tuesday, Thursday um, evening from like 4 to 8, as well as on Saturdays um, from like 11 to maybe like 4, just depending on what time my appointments are. I do uh, individual therapy. I do, I'm, I'm starting a group therapies for um, addiction support. Um, I do couples therapy. Uh, I am on a probably about six different insurance panels. I'm located in Atlanta, right across from uh, Mercer University at 2900 Shamley Tucker Road, uh, building five, suite 200. Um, my website is lotustherapeuticservices.org. My contact number is 833-902-0680. Let me just make sure. And yes. we're going to make sure we put this information also in all of the show notes. so that. And I do offer a slide and scale for individuals that may be underinsured or no insurance at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love, I love what I do. It is not, you know, it's my way of keeping um, my finger on the pulse in regards to direct client services. Um, I, I specialize in addictions, uh, trauma, women's issues, uh, things of that nature. Well, let me tell you something. Your passion definitely shines through. Um, and I am so grateful that we have met and connected all of us. Because your story is definitely going to help somebody who may feel shame and not feel like they can come forward and tell the story. One of my specialties is addictions. And so, uh, you know, when you talk, I think about some of the clients that I have and some of the ones I've lost and um, my heart just gets overwhelmed with your story. I do want to tell those who may be listening, though that if you are struggling, there is no need for shame. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation because the Lord has forgiven you and there's nothing that you can be you can't be forgiven for the, the bible says that he has thrown all of your uh trespasses in the sea of forgetfulness and so i'm so grateful like you said about god's grace and mercy i don't talk about god's grace and mercy uh enough but uh when i do i'm always brought to tears about it because i get overwhelmed like like kevin said about his love story the way he loves us is so it doesn't match anything that we can experience in his life I also want to share um, 
an, a hotline number for people who may be struggling with addiction. If you can't get in contact or you don't live in Atlanta, maybe somebody doesn't live in Atlanta and they still want to reach out to find a locate or late or locate um, an agency next to them. Uh, I'll put these this number in the show notes too, but it's 1-800-662-4357. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to visit our website at www.b-welltoday.com. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, be strong, be bold, and be well.